Vancouver's other music festival since 1994. June 1st to 4th at venues all over downtown. Check out musicwaste.ca for more info. CITR 101.9 FM. This FM. is the Ink Stud Show. Uh, I'm sitting here with Colin and Don. Don. Hello. I'm, I'm Don. You're loud, Don. Am I? You're loud. And I can't hear I, myself. Uh, that was the uh, crew cuts with Shaboom, yeah. and I have Mr. Spain Rodriguez on the phone. Uh-huh. We got you there, Spain? Yep, I'm here. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for being with us today. This is uh, We're looking forward to it. Ah, sure. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's funny that that song Shaboom. I have a I have a tape of, of of the original recording of that. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really you know it's, it's better than the crew cuts. But, uh. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the the only one the only one I actually have. I, I I had to dig up my old records at home and try to come up with some doo wop stuff because I'm yeah I'm the old music guy around here. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm an old music guy myself. Yeah. Yeah, some stuff doesn't get better. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, 
That's true. It, it is true. So, Spain, you're the creator of many uh, groundbreaking alternative comics, or underground comics, I should say, because this is pre-alternative underground. Is that the right phrasing? Uh, yeah, you know, we start from uh, you know around the, the mid-60s. There were guys before me, and, and girls. Yeah, that's it. I guess, and, and, but it's funny because you you knew everybody pretty much at the same time, didn't you? you uh, yeah, I, I knew a lot of them, yeah. yeah. Kind of came up from the ground, <laughs> the ground up when everything was starting. Uh, yeah, right, and underground newspapers. Mm. Yeah, I was okay, I wanted to start out by uh, asking you about, um, you, you originally, you, you were born and raised in Buffalo? Uh, yeah. And, and, and like, when... Um, but when was your first like introduction to like either art or comics or even stories? Like, what's the stuff that sort of influenced you when you were a kid? Well, the, the first comic I saw when I was four was a fragment of a Plastic Man comic. No, really? Uh, yeah, and 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 it had uh, a Plastic Man sidekick Woozy Wonks had this had this <laughs> helicopter that was made out of an outhouse. <laughs> And, and you know, as a kid, I knew what an outhouse was, but the idea that you know you could put this helicopter plate on it, I really found that intriguing, and I kept trying to draw it, you know, and I, I couldn't quite figure out how to how to get the, that, the mechanics you know, that 3D work. 3D effect. So. Yeah, actually, you know what's funny is I was actually I, I made a point in my notes here to, to to write down to to mention that I love the way you draw propellers. You do awesome propellers on planes. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was I was I'm thoroughly impressed because I could never figure out how to do that. Well, you know, I, I, I've you know stole ideas from uh, different guys. Yeah, steal from the best. Uh, yeah, this guy named Douglas Rolfe who did a lot of great uh, airplane drawings in the forties uh, and fifties. Oh, really? Did he? Was he like a pulp? Pulp? Uh, he uh, well, there was a magazine called Air Trails, mm -hmm. and he would do uh, uh, features on uh, you know different companies that the, the Haviland companies, all these planes that you know. Oh yeah, okay. Obscure planes that the Haviland put out, or seaplanes, or the French Air Force in the 30s, and stuff like that. Oh, really? Hmm. Was it, so, was he one of like, like um, what other artists or, or art were you exposed to at the time? Like, well, my mom was a uh, my mom was a painter, so I had you know some exposure to uh, you know Renaissance art and you know the classics and. Uh, this is, this is one. Uh, there was a. She had a book on Vermeer, and this is, you know, Vermeer did these kind of uh, uh, fairly staged uh, paintings of women sewing and stuff like that. But he has he has one that ta takes place in a brothel where this guy is standing behind this woman and feeling her tit. Yeah, can you say that on the radio? Oh yeah, Let, I'll just do the quick uh, listener discretion. Be advised. Yeah, it, yeah, it's college radio. You can say anything. And Canada. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember that Vermeer. Does that not appear in, in the art books very often? Uh, I've, I've I've seen it in different art books, but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, kind of uh, yeah one that's not shown in art books a whole lot. But uh, I, I was a little shocked as a kid. But, uh, yeah, that would uh, well. It's it's amazing the stuff that leaves an impression, you know. Were uh, were EC comics a big influence on your early work? Oh yeah, big influence. I, that was the thing that really motivated me to uh, draw because I, uh, I I really immersed myself in comics. And uh, when I was growing up, uh, all those during World War Two, there were, were all those great Golden Age comics. With, yeah, I love that by, stuff. Yeah, Alex Schomburg. Oh yeah, yeah, you know my favorite Mexican American artist. I didn't know he was Mexican American actually. Yeah. Wow. 
He did. He just—he's the one that did all those really uh, ornate covers with tons of like the All Winners Squad and all that stuff, right? Right. You know, he'd have uh, he'd have the Human Torch or wrecking a, a, a Japanese uh, shipyard on the on, on the roof of one of the buildings. It would say Jap Shipyard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In English, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember those because it, it would have like a like a like a like a battleship or something and there would be like 80,000 guns on the ship and it looked like he never actually had seen one and just kind of made it up sometimes like they were really neat looking yeah yeah and apparently you were uh, correct me if i'm wrong but you were a member of the captain marvel fan club when you were a kid too. yes i was yes that's awesome wow. that that's awesome neopak loverum which is <laughs> captain marvel spelled backwards it's a secret password oh really <laughs> <laughs> be told now oh wow oh, yeah know. now everybody knows yeah yeah. Actually, you know what's funny? I'm going to get off topic for just one second. I, we, I just found out yesterday that Alex Toth passed away this week. Oh, too bad. Yeah, you yeah. Hadn't heard? Yeah, he was he, he was the first artist I, I who, who I recognized as a, you know whose work I recognized. Really? Oh. Yeah, he did those great. Uh, actually, I was going to comment about that too. But your uh, uh, some of your historical comics that the airplanes and things. Yeah, remind me of that. Inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, were there other uh, artists, like EC artists or anything, that were really? Oh sure, yeah, I, all the EC artists, especially Wood and, and uh, Davis and Severin and Elder and yeah. Wow, yeah. Just did, did the EC art, the, the EC comics at the time, did they really stand out from all uh, all the other comics around? Oh uh, yes, definitely. Are they very distinctive. Yeah. yeah. They always seem to me more illustrated. Like they're they're less. Um, it seemed like the co the comic books at the time were almost like a. Like that, those were the few comics that that were as good as like some of the newspaper strips, like illustrative wise. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's right. And and and, and uh, when you uh, when those guys are interviewed, including Gaines, um, all those guys they, they tend to describe it as, as the best time in their life. You know, they, uh, Gaines was paying him well and was really into uh, into it, and uh, you know, it was really. One of those periods, uh, one of those art periods, where everybody, had, all these great artists, had come together. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird because it, there's there's very few times in, in with art history where it seems that like people realize that they're doing something worth a damn when you're doing it. You know, yeah, it's, it's usually later on they come up with the history. Yeah, I, I suspect the artist always knows, but uh, you know, it's 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 not recognized. A lot of times, it's not recognized by the outside world until later. Yeah. The, um, also, I was, I was going to ask about um, uh, the, when you started drawing. Uh, when did that come about? Well, I, I was in second grade, and I, it was probably in the summer. Uh, um, and I, I, I was, you know, I just woken up. I hadn't opened my eyes yet, and I had this this image of a of, of the profile of a man. Before that, I was just, you know, a, a kid artist. You know, just kind of, I never. The stuff I did was never, uh, never really inspired me. But I, I, I had this image of what a what a profile would look like, and I, I was afraid that it would. Um, when I woke up, it would just go away. But I was able to hold it in my mind and draw it on the wall. <laughs> my parents were, you know, kind enough to, uh, you know, not to uh, give me a hard time. But after that, it was, you know, just the idea I could uh, pull this off. Just uh, was kind of an inspiration, and, uh, and my mom gave me a, a bunch of you know hints. You know, she told me, "Well, the upper arm is about the 
the length of the, of the waist, uh, you know, seen from the side, all this stuff. So, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, the, the, during those those times uh, in the late 40s, there was all, all sorts of uh, things kids were into. They were into cowboys mostly, but they were also into knights and the French Foreign Legion and, uh, you know, pirates and, you know, so there was all this. All these genres. So, you know, as a kid, I just kept on drawing all these different things. Yeah, that, that was sort of the heyday of adventure films and things and movie serials and things like that. Sure. So you liked all that stuff? Yeah, I loved it, yeah. So did you uh, did you go to art school? I, I, I did. I went to a, a school in Connecticut called Silvermine Guild uh, School of Art. Yeah, in, in New Canaan, Connecticut? It, is that right? uh, yeah, New Canaan, Connecticut. I mean, the place is still there, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I, I I think I read in an interview with you that you um, that it was founded by the guy that created the Lucky Strike logo or something. Oh well, one of the guys, yeah, John Vassos, the guy. He was one of the guys with Raymond Lowy, who discovered um, uh, who or who who started industrial design. You know. Uh, oh really? Yeah. Before him and Raymond Lowy, things were kind of you know very functional and clunky. They said pretty cowlings on the you know washing machines and. Oh yeah, yeah designing and i i knew he was a big shot i didn't really know who he was and uh uh he, he gave a class a, a two-week class in sign painting which was one of the most valuable classes i, I had and uh you know he got us to draw our thicks and thins and uh, correct them and uh, you know it was, a, it was great but then later on i found out he designed the lucky strike uh, logo oh, that's yeah that's interesting the um so, so what? Like, what? What do you think you 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 got from art school? I, we we always have this debate among artists, like who learned what from art school, or what did they just learn from farting around and drawing? Like, what what would you say you came out of it with? Well, I I came out with everything I, I uh, that I was aiming for was kind of uh, improved. You know, I was I was trying to. Uh, Get my chops down better, you know. Draw, learn how to draw the human body and draw different things, and uh, you know, I got I got a chance to paint and uh, various things. You know, they, they give you a good uh, sort of a broad overview. Yeah, they, and, and good art history. You know, so they gave uh, you know it was a good ed education. I kind of I, I was unhappy there, you know, because you know you're going through that age, and uh, you know I, I I was kind of a fish out of water and. Uh, yeah, I know, I know that feeling. Yeah. So, so what? <clears throat> what I really want to know is how, how do you go from being uh, the Captain Marvel fan club uh, into the Road Vultures? It was a long process. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I um, uh, uh, well, this was a, there was a period when uh, when my neighborhood was uh, we, we we would. Uh, Hang around these 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 rhythm and blues clubs, and uh, you know the the style was everybody got dressed up, you know, on weekends. And a couple times, you know, we went to the, we go to these biker bars, and you know, these guys would you know come in after after being on the road for you know a few hundred miles, and they were completely filthy. And I thought, man, you know, what is this? I mean, you know, do they really have to be that uh, that filthy? And <laughs> and uh, one. Time I was uh, I was crossing the street. I just saw all these bikes taken off from this light, and I said I, I had to have one. 
I just had, I, you know, I was like Mr. Toad or something. <laughs> <laughs> Transfixed with rapture. And I, uh, you know, I, I, I was working at the time, and I had some money saved up. So I, I got a bike, and then I started riding bike. I was riding with these these guys. And um, what, what kind of bike did you get? What was your first well, bike? The first bike I had was a Ducati. Oh, really? Yeah. And, 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 and everybody hated the road vultures. <laughs> You know, I riding with these. I was riding with these people once, and this girl said, "Oh, I have a hole in my shoe. I'm like a road vulture." <laughs> Those are the guys I got to ride with. Wow. Uh, so, so, so the way I, I, I got the, the way I got in the road vultures, there was a, some bar, some guy we knew had gotten beaten up at the bar, some some biker. So there's a whole bunch of us who were supposed to go down there and uh, you know, uh, uh, avenge our, our, our pal. And me and three guys walked into the bar, assuming there was a whole bunch of guys behind us, and there weren't. <laughs> uh oh. So you know, I, I, I kept, you know, I, I kept on fighting. I, 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 you know, I got knocked down, and I, I kept, but I kept on fighting until somebody kicked me in the head. At that point, I, I, I just kind of got into a ball and let them, you know, Do kick me and punch me yeah. you know, until they got tired. And so I went back to the bar, and when the road vultures saw that, they thought there was, you know. I'd shown class there, and so they. Uh, <laughs> you so I got road vultures, of, you know, in, in 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 shorter time than uh, you know it usually took. So. Wow, cut to the chase. I think yeah. you and Harvey Peak are the only uh, comic artists I've heard of actually engaging in any kind of violent combat. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, yeah right. It's like the interesting thing about you know, I don't know whether you saw. Uh, uh, let me see. I think it was a uh, uh, Zap fourteen or. Victor Moscoso slapped Crumb's elbow, you know. This is <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There was a big debate about that, wasn't there? Yes, right. This became, a, you know, a big, this is, you know, this is violence among artists. This is like the uh, list in, uh, you know, <laughs> Muhammad Ali fight there. Yeah, it's like the, like the two-fisted cartoonist. <laughs> you know, this, uh, you know, this... I, actually, well, just, uh, I was just wondering when we think about motorcycle gangs now, particularly here in Canada, they're they're a branch of organized crime. Oh, that's what it is to these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, it wasn't like that when when you were a member. Not really. Nah, just you know, guys like to drink and, and uh, you know, basically, you know, if we were left alone, we left other people alone. But if, if not, then <laughs> are, are the road vultures still around? Oh uh, yeah, right. Yeah, the road vultures are still there. Really. I'm still I'm still officially on the list. I'm still officially a road vulture. Wow! And there, there, there was actually a club in in Toronto, the Black Diamond Riders, that that that, that whose supreme commander is uh, Johnny Sombrero, who named his son after me. Oh, really? Yeah, I was I was at a reunion, and it was the only time I was in a place where somebody said Spain, and uh, two people would look up. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, actually, there was a there was a um, a great quote from you in the comics journal interview when uh, you were talking about um, uh, Wortham and the uh, and the, the 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 comic book witch hunts for juvenile delinquency and all that. And you said uh, that uh, the problem with uh, Wortham and all the comic book banning is that most juvenile delinquents didn't read anything, <laughs> so it wouldn't really help. Yeah, yeah, right. I, 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 I'm in the process of reading a book called. Men of Tomorrow by a guy named Jones, and he he gets into Wortham and who Wortham was. You know, he's kind of a left wing intellectual who from Europe, and he he didn't really he didn't really understand American pop culture. You know, so he was just kind of horrified by uh, comics and <laughs> you know uh, uh, 
you know, just thought that they were the cause of juvenile delinquency, and you know, that's uh, that's kind of simplistic. So, so, so your where do is it okay? Your uh, your first cartoons that you did with uh, that was in a socialist newspaper. Well, is actually, the first the first stuff I had, the, the well, the first time I had I, I had published was me and me and a friend uh, put out a, a, a publication called The Spirit and the Sword, dedicated to John Brown. Oh, really? But, yeah. Soon after that, I did a. Um, I, I, I did stuff for the University of Buffalo newspaper, uh, um, and called the Spectrum. And then I, for a summer, I did stuff for uh, the uh, um, socialist worker uh, newspaper, the Militant. Hmm. So you know, yeah, my early. Uh, so, you know, so where did your published was? Where did your politics come from? Just your your working class. Background? Uh, yeah, basically, basically. I mean, you know, I, I, at some point in art school, I was re- reading a bunch of different philosophers, and uh, you know, Marx really made sense. You know, just kind of related to uh, to uh, what I what I saw around me. And uh, I, I later on, I worked in a plant for five years, and uh, you know, the plant was a textbook. Uh, you know, just like textbook Marxism. Everybody in the plant understood the class struggle very clearly. You know, they understood. Yeah, they were living it. They were living it, right? Yeah. You know, the, the 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 bosses were trying to squeeze as much work as they could out of you, and you were trying to uh, not be squeezed. Yeah, that's what that's when that's when union was a scary word back then. Well, we had a union and a good union. You know, we were members of the CWA, the Communications Workers of America. This was a West, Western Electric. Plant, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I I have a strip that's. Coming out in blab, uh, kind of about that period. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I really like uh, yeah, your autobiographical stories. I think are my favorite stuff that you do. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I, I have a I have a good friend who's still alive from that period, and we we talk to each other from time to time. So, so did you have any interest in? Approaching, you know, more traditional comic book companies, or you know, doing work for uh, mainstream publishers at that time, or well, I, 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 when Underground Comics started, I thought, well, this, this can't last uh, that long, <laughs> so you know, I'll, I'll probably at some point, you know, just build up a portfolio and try to go to Marvel or something. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, but I, it just didn't turn out that way. You know, Underground Comics is, is, has been able to survive, and I, I just got used to being able to do what I wanted. And uh, It's hard to go back after that, I guess. Yeah, it's, yeah. at some point, you know, it's just, you know, I've been able to survive one way or another, and so, you know, the idea of, um, you know, I, I don't mind working with a writer, but, you know, just the idea of, of uh, being in that kind of corporate, uh, yeah, just, you know, situation seems kind of stifling. So, yeah, no kidding. But that kind of makes me think of uh, comics have kind of kind of through its own sort of proletariat revolution of uh, underground comics alternative coming into their own fruition and success, um, regardless of you know outside pressures of Marvel and DC. Yeah. Well, well, the, uh, the great thing about comics is is if you can draw. You know, it's, it's, it's labor intensive, but you know, it's it's possible to put something out. And you know, if you if you really take the time and and, and uh, 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 you know care to to turn out something good, people appreciate it. 
Yeah, that's true. You can do anything too. And you can do anything, you know. That's uh, you know because comics is, is just so adaptable. I mean, every a medium, any medium is, is is a filter in a way, simply because you have to go through the effort in the first place. But you know, when you when you get in something like movies, which is, is, takes an army to to to, to do, yeah. it's amazing that movies can. Uh, Turn out anything that seems like like a human message. Because, yeah, uh, you know it's just so complicated. Yeah, it's amazing but, anything good's ever made at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. It's amazing that you know, yeah, they make good movies, but uh, uh, you know, but it's a filter, you know. So you need that money, and you, you know, uh, uh, you can't do something that's uh, you know that the, 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 the movies don't approve of. So uh, you know, that's the thing is, is, is especially underground comics. You know, you you can. Just tell your own story uh, unimpeded. Mm-hmm. That's why we love it. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so much goodness out there. Yeah, well, you know, guys like you are keeping us uh, alive. So. <laughs> wow. Well, spending all our big bucks. Yeah, right. Colin has a question, I think. Well, I was just wondering about the early days of underground comics. How did you, uh, how did you find out about it, and how did you uh, get involved? Well, I, I spent the summer of '65 on the Lower East Side. You know, and things were things were starting to uh, to happen. There were, there were there were all these things going on on the Lower East Side, and um, yeah, you actually knew Ed Sanders from the Fugs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I did a bunch of stuff for for Ed. Yeah, that that actually surprised me because he was uh, to me he's like I, 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 I'm one of the few people around here that actually owns a Fugs album, so I was impressed by that actually. Yeah, well, a, a good buddy of mine is Ken Weaver, the drummer for the Fugs. You know. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Well, that's uh, what are they doing these days? They're still around? Uh, well, they're not around as a band, uh, you know, but they're living different places. And Ed is up in New Paltz. Uh, oh, really? And I guess Thule is still around the Lower East Side. You know, I hear I hear reports that he's alive. And wow. So. Yes, because anyway, so, so, sorry to interrupt there, but uh, you, you were right in the uh, you, you were in the heart of New York when things were getting interesting. Oh uh, yeah, I, 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 so I moved back to Buffalo, you know, and, and but I, you know, I, didn't, I, I kept going to New York, and I got to know uh, Walter Boward, who started the East Village Other. And, uh, you know, he, at some point he said, well, you know, do me a, a 24-page comic. And so, uh, you know, I, I did it. And, uh, you know, I was, I, 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 I actually had a, a series of lucky breaks where I, I got, I got enough money to kind of keep me going while I, while I put it together. And, uh, you know, I was down to my last hundred bucks and went to New York. And, uh, you know, they, it was supposed to be a comic book, but, uh, the, uh, um, Printer couldn't uh, handle that format, so we made a, a tabloid. So Zodiac Mind Warp was the first uh, underground comic tabloid. Then later, Crumb did the first uh, first Zap, which is the first underground comic. But uh, yeah, that's uh, and uh, th- that was around the same time you met like uh, Kim Deitch. Yeah, and, but yeah, for a while, me and Kim were roommates, uh, and we had this place on the on the. 8th Street and Avenue uh, C. And, uh, you know, we survived there for a while. <laughs> and that, so, like, around around that time, that's, I guess, like, everybody was around there, or, or not everybody, but you met everybody in New York. Like, I think it was, was it Art Spiegelman and Bill Griffith and people like that? And yeah, yeah. I think Art was the first, 
the first cartoonist I met, you know, and he had this idea that you could uh, make all these different kinds of panels, you know. And, oh, geez, I never thought of that. Yeah, play around <laughs> with it a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, play around with the page layout, and, you know, so that was, you know, uh, that was inspiring, and, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, our art is always our art always has some something to say, some, <laughs> some new idea. You know, yeah, uh, he's he's kind of become the unofficial like mouthpiece for comics in the last ten years. Yeah, I think. that's the way it seems. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think he goes by Doctor Spiegelman now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's our cultural ambassador now. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's also been banned in uh, in Canada's bookstore chain Indigo. Really. Yeah, the, the uh, new Harpers. The new Harpers with his article in it about the Muhammad cartoons. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, huh? That's interesting. Well, wow. yeah, I, I just read that. I just read that article. That's that's a pretty interesting article. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, you know, I think you have to. I, 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 next time I run into a, a little button with a Danish uh, flag, I'm definitely going to buy it. And yeah. <laughs> it yeah. Suddenly, there's newfound support among cartoonists for Danish. Yeah, yeah, you know, Denmark is I'll, cool. Yeah. I'll eat my cheese. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th I think that you know, you, you have you know, you're always at war with the theocrats because uh, you know these guys are bullies and uh, you know they just, I, I mean, they're just they're, they're, there's there's a war going on between. Between them and a you know modern secular society, I mean that's what a secular society is. Is saying you know the the idea of separation of church and state means yeah you can't use force to um, to impose your political doctrines. I mean I mean that's an aspect of the of the pro-choice fight. You know I mean that's what the you know that's what the anti-abortionists are trying to do: get the government to enforce the theological uh, determinations of their. Uh, the church. So. Yeah, actually, there's a. The, the, uh, I've got a good quote from you here, and it says, <laughs> "Don uh, has quotes." I have quotes from you. Yeah, it said, uh, "You said uh, the whole idea of the First Amendment is that you have the right to offend." I really That's like. Right. I really like. It's true. It's it's damn true. You know. Yeah. And people should be offending more in my book. You know? Yes, right. Exactly. Right. And uh, you know, uh, uh, the you know the idea that somebody can kill you because. You offend them is uh, you know is, it's ludicrous. It's, 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 yeah, right. It's, yeah. It, it, well, yeah, what it means is uh, you know these guys are you know basically want a dictatorship of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's just like George Bush said. Yeah, sure, I'd like a dictatorship as long as it was a dictatorship of me, and he certainly yeah <laughs> taking steps in that direction. So I'm just curious with your you know background, working class background, the road vultures, your political views. Uh, how did you see yourself fitting in with the whole sort of 60s hippie flower power thing going on around you? Um, well, you know, it, uh, I, 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 I somehow, I, I think the new age thing is, 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 is more problematic, you know, because the hippies, um, uh, well, it, all that stuff just kind of came about, but it just kind of came about through, through all this bohemian ferment that was you know, around before. You know, but at some point the term hippies in the summer of love. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. it was, they were basically beatniks that were still hanging around, and new beatniks, basically. I, yeah, you know, it's I, I 
I, I mean, I, 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 me and some friends of mine on the Lower East Side, we tried to be hippies, <laughs> but we just kind of, uh, you know, we just, we just really weren't hippie material. Yeah. We like to shower too much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I think that that might be a bad rap because, yeah. you know, I, I don't think hippies were any dirtier than anybody else. But yeah. uh, you know, kind of a, you know, the, the thing is, 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 you know, when I started riding bike, basically the the bikers were the, uh, you know, the 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 most visible nonconformists. I mean, there were yeah. beatniks around, but they were few and far between. <laughs> They're more intellectual nonconformists than visual nonconformists. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, yeah, I mean, in those days, you really had to, you know, be willing to fight if you looked different. You know. Yeah. Mm. Oh, certainly, a lot of people who saw themselves as being enforcers of a convention and uh yeah my friends through my a friend of mine went through a lot of that in the early 70s because he was a a hippie that lived on a commune and he said he'd go into a small town and you'd, you'd just basically get you'd have to be prepared to fight your way out sometimes you know yeah go into a bar and just people just pick pick you as a target well, you know what? and it's kind of i feel like kind of revisiting that to nowadays with a lot of like you know red state attitude towards alternative lifestyles and such yeah well well you know an interesting an, an interesting thing is that when I came out to California in December of '69, uh, I my car broke down in this western town, and it was it, it would have been flattering if it wasn't threatening because I had to run around trying to find somebody who would work on a Volkswagen. I mean, you know, these, these, oh yeah, you know, the idea of a Volkswagen nobody it's, it's, it's like nobody had ever heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, people were calling me out, and kids were people were locking their doors. Kids were. Calling me names from the <laughs> from their porches. I mean, it was a, really? an amazing amount of hostility. Yeah. And then some years later, when I went through the South, uh -huh. I kind of expected the same thing, but it was completely different. There was uh, all kinds of people with long hair and flowered shirts and uh, that sort of thing. You know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's basically after. I guess society just kind of takes the weirdness and adapts it to their own, so they can live with it or something. Gentrifies it. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, which I. I think we all do, you know, everybody, uh, you know, kind of uh, does their own take, you know, so, so uh, you know, it's interesting, the idea of culture wars, I think culture is always about some kind of conflict. Yeah. Actually, how did, um, so, so when you went to San Francisco, how did that, how did that compare to the, like, the east side of New York, like, how was... Well, when I, when I, when I first came to San Francisco, I, I, I would uh, hitchhike around and people asked me where I was living, I told them I was living in the hate. Mm -hmm. I say, oh, gee, it's so dangerous and dirty. Uh -huh. I said, geez, you know, it seems pretty safe and clean to me. You know, because yeah. uh, you know, New York. I mean, it's interesting that the whole flower power thing in the, the in New York. Cause I was in New York during the summer of love, and you know, there was definitely you know that 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 vibe was out there, but it had just had a harder time surviving on the Lower East Side. So. Yeah, you know, I mean the Lower, the Lower East Side, which had its own uh, history. Oh yeah. You know, so uh, well, in this book, in this book, the Men of Tomorrow, they they just describe uh, 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 all these guys who came out of the, a lot of Jews who came out of the Lower East Side that uh, mm -hmm. kind of who were who were. Uh, this guy Harry Dannenfield, who uh, um, I've heard the name actually. Yeah, he's he's the guy who first published Superman. Oh, okay. And he had connections. Well, he, he he did all these spicy detectives, spicy western, spicy adventure. You know, there's a whole uh, uh -huh. sexy level of pulp magazines. And he he had connections to gangsters. So he um, 
uh, he, he he would have shipments of paper coming in from Canada, and he would also in the shipments of paper he he also have all this booze. Oh, and, yeah, prohibition. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, and publications by Margaret Sanger that advocated birth control that was illegal in the states. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, you know, so he, uh, you know, but after he, uh, after he achieved respectability with Superman, he, he, you know, he, he just made sure that, uh, that you know, DC Comics were uh, 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 didn't engage in the sort of EC Fox Comics uh, sleaze, you know. Oh yeah, craved that, that kind of respectability. And, uh, it's an interesting time period, actually, back then. Yeah. So you you moved to San Francisco, and did you get more involved in uh, underground comics at that point? Uh, oh yeah. Well, I say yeah. Well, I, I um, underground comics were really uh, burgeoning, and I, uh, I I edited a couple comics. I did I did one called Mean Bitch Thrills. <laughs> Great title. And, and uh, yeah, I wish I'd done more of them. Um, and I did the Subvert Comics with Trashman, Agent of the Sixth International, and Insect Fear. Well, Trashman's probably your most famous creation. Uh, can you talk a bit about him? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, I was working for the East Village Other, and, uh, you know, so I was doing these strips that were kind of formless, you know. Just whatever I, I, I could come up with that week. I, 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 Stick in there, and finally, you know this this character kind of you know I, I, at the time in in New York you can be a night person, yeah, and uh, you know there's people um, you know there's people who y- you can knock on their door at two a.m. and you know they're they're up, yeah, <laughs> you know, ready to hang out. So I, I, you know at the time I I, I, I was a night person, and uh, you know I just try, uh, suddenly you know this character had formed. Um. There was there was a group uh, that's hardly ever, or actually I've, I've never really seen it mentioned, but it was it's called Resurgence Youth Movement. They were connected to the IWW and they were these really crazy guys. Mm-hmm. And um, this one guy told me about how he was talking to toasters, things like that, and I thought. There's an idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like science fiction. Suddenly, you know. Right. You know. So, uh, you know, and, and you know, so it just kind of things came together, and I needed a character, you know, so I could build a story around. And so I, I uh, you know, that's what I was doing. And uh, you know, as, as time went by, well, just you know, the whole challenge of of, of doing a whole comic, the, the whole challenge of doing a whole strip, you know, which, uh, uh, you know, it, it took a while and took discipline. To uh, you know, to, to to be able to, to to turn that out. So you know, I I have a. Oh, there's my wife's phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so so uh, um, you know, as time went by, I was able to get the ideas of storytelling down better. Uh, for for a while, I in 1969, I did a strip called Manning mm-hmm. about a corrupt cop. You know, so I. Uh, uh, I did that for a while, but once I got out to uh, California, then I, I started doing the. I turned out three subvert comics, uh, and again, I wish I, I, I'd wish I'd done more. Uh, you know, I, I, I had some story ideas that I never, um, uh, you know, really w- w- was able to, uh, uh, to to get, to get to. down. I, 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 what happened was I, I, I was married for about eight months, mm-hmm. and so I was trying to, uh, you know. Trying to make a living, so 
I mean, underground comics uh, uh, didn't pay that much. So I was really trying to, uh, you know, get a some kind of job where I could uh, uh, yeah, pay the bills, <laughs> pay the bills, and support a family and that sort of thing. So, actually, I, I found it interesting that uh, in an interview you said that uh, you actually felt closer in some ways to uh, people like Bernie Wrightson. Than, than to people like Robert Crumb because because of the types of stories they told or something. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, Robert has his own, you know, he he has his own uh, uh, unique uh, uh, thing, you know, that he does and you know does well. I mean, there's something there's something comfortable about about Robert's uh, style. Actually, that's true. It's it, it's pretty much consistent. You know, it's you know what you're going to get. I guess. Yeah, and, and 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 you know, so he can do these all these outrageous things. You know, he can kind of get away with uh, with doing these things. You know, the uh, uh, you know, and then he comes up with these zany ideas, like you know, the woman with no head and stuff. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> the Zoid. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you know, but I mean, I you know, my stuff is more you know, kind of a, a, an adventure style rather than a, you know, a comic style. So uh, you know, you know, guys like uh, you know, the, kind of the more uh, you know, the adventure strip guys are are guys that I, I feel I, in whose company I feel uh, I'm in. You know, so yeah. Um, I have a question. Uh, you have a new uh, thing coming out from Top Shelf Books, the Dark Hotel with Bob Callahan. I hope that comes off. I mean, we're going through all kinds of technical difficulties, but we, that was. That still might be up on Salon. We did that in the uh, late twentieth century. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, we did that on Salon. We, we you know, we turned out uh, about eight episodes, and we have a character, Drago Drugilovich, uh, the night clerk at the Dark Hotel. Was it was it uh, black and white? No, it was color. It was color. Okay, yeah, because oh yeah, we're just pulling it up here now. Um, yeah, like as I, I, I was actually going to ask if you'd ever done stories in color because most of your stuff is is in glorious black and white. Uh, yeah. Well, that was uh, you know that was uh, that's when I first learned Photoshop. Of course, like everybody else, when they asked me, uh, you know, uh, did, did you know Photoshop? I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually, Paul Mavridis had shown me Photoshop about you know about eight months earlier. Mm-hmm. So by the time I, 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 I actually had a job doing it, I, I'd forgotten everything he showed me. <laughs> so you know, I, I, I had a, I had, I had to kind of lear, relearn everything. And uh, you know, but uh, you know, I do. Uh, I mean, color. I, I, I was uh, a bunch of cartoonists were, were were talking about the good old days and how much better everything was in the old days. And then somebody said color separations and everybody paused for a moment <laughs> yeah you had to cut them out by hand you had to yeah. cut them by hand they had to kind of translate everything into math all your color into math yeah <laughs> okay 20 percent uh, yellow and uh, you know 10 percent uh, yeah. red and then and, and then you had to get the screen so they're turned so there wasn't a moray pattern and yeah <laughs> really like torture you know yeah. I mean, it was surprising that you know anything came out good uh, yeah, you know, we 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 did it, and and you know, suddenly, uh, you know, when when Photoshop came in, I, I uh, you know, I, I had a color job uh, doing a uh, cover for for a newspaper, and this this woman was doing the color, and I was sitting there, and she's talking to her boyfriend while she's doing it, and somebody something that would have taken me three days, she knocked off in a few hours. I was going, woo, wow, yeah, wow, that's yeah, that's right, inspiring. you know, like, you know this, I gotta, I gotta. It didn't look that hard, I and mean, it's not that hard, you know. Once you, uh, 
you know, once you uh, so, know what you're doing. So, you know, I keep learning more stuff. I've gotten kind of more elaborative and, and uh, you know, more illust- illustrative and uh, oh, yeah. stuff. I, I've been doing screw covers, you know, so. You know. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I've, I've never, I haven't seen any of those. Yeah. Screw uh, yeah, uh, smut mag. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I, I you know, I, uh, over the years, I've done a bunch of screw covers, and when I was looking for you know regular work, I would uh, stick them in a little uh, pocket on the side of my portfolio, and if the the guy I was talking to seemed uh, you know seemed like a hip guy, I would show them to him. Mm-hmm. And this one time, I was going for a job at some uh, for some architectural magazine, and this woman who was a uh, the art director. At some point, she starts. You know, she goes through my uh, my regular portfolio, and she likes my stuff, and she uh, starts to pull out these screw covers. <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to form the words in my in my head, like, "Don't pull those out. Don't look at those." <laughs> but you know, by that time, she you know she had to look at the covers, which are not you know they're just kind of you know mildly risque, but she had to open up every one. <laughs> <laughs> the front inside cover is always like some gigantic, you know, like sex act, you know, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, like open heart surgery, you know, and, and the final one was, you know, like some woman, a close-up of some woman's face with, the, you know, uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, substance dripping down. <laughs> and she just kind of nervously, you know, kind of, you know, close it and she's trying to Stuff them back into the pocket on the side, and absolutely we're here. You better let me do that, and uh, <laughs> I didn't get the job. Oh. <laughs> but she had to look at every one; she just could not. Uh, could not stop. No, she. You know, when she was gone, I would just get you know. Actually, I was uh, looking at uh, um, the, the the World War Three Illustrated thing that you did. Did. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, that's online. Yeah, that's uh, Dai's IRA. That's yeah. Uh, how did that come about? How did that come about? Uh, um, of the the author, uh, um, uh, Justin Wortham, uh, uh, gave me a call, and uh, you know we worked together, and he, uh, you know we want to do more of those. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, there's some more pages that uh, you know he, he's he's about to put on. Oh really? Do some spelling corrections. Well, because I know, I know, yeah, I noticed at the end it had like a to be continued kind of thing. Oh uh, yeah. Do, do, so, do, you, but we have a whole story that we've. Uh, and that no, is it? Is it a true story? Hey, that, that's one thing I was kind of a little bit uh, unclear. Oh no, no, it's it's basically uh, no. It's not, oh okay. You know, but uh, you know, it, it, it kind of could be. You know, and and he, you know, he makes good points. In his. Yeah, totally. That's uh, actually I wasn't sure if it was or not because it was well done. Yeah. So you know, I, I told him I, I want more car chases, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we we're actually going to ask you a little bit about your historical comics because yeah. you do some, and uh, me and Colin have both done historical comics, and I find them fascinating. So uh, when your first one that you did was in like was it 1976 or something like that? Uh, let's see, yeah, it might be. You know, yeah. I, I, I I started doing stuff for Arcade. Uh-huh. Which was, uh, you know, like our, our, our the underground comics attempt to make it into the big time. I think we. Oh yeah. You know, turned them out for, you know, I think we turned out about uh, seven or eight issues. Uh, I, I was actually wondering, you. Uh, I'm assuming uh, that you're a fan of Jack Jackson's work. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. it's great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan too, and. Yeah. So the the stories you tell. Um, are they mostly to entertain, or is, do, you, do you intend to educate as well? Well, I hope so. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's amazing how 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 people don't realize, the, you know, the, the, the history of the, 
the places they live, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm from Buffalo, and uh, what's interesting, the, the, the West Point uniform and, and comes from Buffalo, and that comes from the War of 1812. Oh, really? Well, yeah, when uh, uh, Winfield Scott, who was a young guy, by the time of the Civil War, he was too fat to get up on his horse. <laughs> yeah, he was a general or something, wasn't he? Right, yeah. he, was, he, was, the he was a commander-in-chief. Yeah. Right, they, they, they called him Old Fuss and Feathers, but the, <laughs> during the War of 1812, he was this real you know, bright kind of Renaissance-type guy. And, and in the War of 1812... Uh, Americans and British, you know, the, the Americans couldn't quite believe that Canadians didn't want to be Americans. Mm-hmm. And the c- c- British thought that, you know, they wanted another crack at the Americans. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the, this war happened, and, and, and both sides would take over territory mm-hmm. on either side. But the the, the population, on, you know, the, the Canadian-U.S. border, who, I mean, people in Canada didn't want to be Americans. Vice versa, and in the Niagara Frontier, which is that area between Niagara Falls and the and Buffalo, uh, uh, there were two invasions. Uh, um, there were two American invasions of Canada. Uh, the the problem was in in, in both American invasions, the um, two American generals were not on speaking terms with one another. <laughs> so they kind of flopped. So, but Winfield Scott got this army in Buffalo and, and trained them during the winter, during the Buffalo winters, and he marched them across. You know Fort Erie, and there's a place called this town called Chippewa, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know the, over there the Americans actually won a battle European style where guys were marching in ranks and really yeah and uh, uh, um, what happened? What the British did? They just went to the other side of the river and waited for the Americans to go away. And, <laughs> you know, well there there was the Battle of Lundy's Lane, which happened shortly thereafter. Yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> Collins are battle specialists. Yeah, yeah. Collins are Collins are old history specialists. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, no. What I, was the Battle of Lundy's Lane? Hmm. What was the Battle of Lundy's? Battle Lane? of Lundy's Lane was the largest battle of the War of eighteen twelve. It happened after Chippewa, and the Ameri- uh, Wolf Scott actually uh, attacked the British on a hill in the late evening. So most of the battle was actually fought in the dark, and it was a bloody brawl draw that people were just shooting at each other in the dark just firing at musket flashes um had one of the highest casualties per capita of any battle in napoleonic wars and uh, the americans retreated uh-huh wow yeah you learn something every day don't you yeah right <laughs> that's also where last gasp is they're in the the street the last gasp is in San Francisco is Lundy's Lane oh really San Francisco well, well there is a Lundy's Lane like not uh, not far from here uh, where I live in Bernal Heights, uh, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I've heard of that battle, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't know I didn't know the details. Yeah, right. One one thing I'm curious about is so many cartoonists I come across and read who do autobiograph do historical work also do autobiographical work. And we mentioned earlier that we're big fans of the work you've been doing in Blab and mm-hmm. your other autobiographical work. And I was just wondering if, if if you had any ideas about the relationship between historical and autobiographical work. Well, you know, it's just, it's just that real life a lot of times is is, is more compelling than fantasy. Um, it's true. You know, so uh, you know, you, you read about all this stuff and all these characters. You know, I mean, Winfield Scott. You know, just an interesting guy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, a, it's a, yeah, it is kind of. He completely yeah. buggered up the Battle of Lundy's Lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he tried to march his men between the British and American lines in the dark in column, and then 
he couldn't figure out why both sides shot at him. <laughs> and this has been Ink Stud's <laughs> history lesson by Colin Upton. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. That's, well, that's an interesting. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, uh, well, well, you know, the, 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 you know, there's all this history. I mean, you, you know, you're living in some place. Um, the, the, I mean, in the first place, you, you wonder what pe- what's going to happen um, after you die because, you know, will people know or, or you know, people that won't know or give or care about, uh, about you know, I mean, that's one good thing about doing comics, at least somebody, maybe your relatives will, you know, yeah, look at them and say, oh, you know, this is was my ancestor, you know. And, yeah. and, were, you, were, were, you, were you a big fan of the Harvey Kurtzman? Uh, yeah, I'm a real big fan of Harvey Kurtzman. Yeah, those, those war stories were... They did kind of set the standard, I guess, at the time. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, to this day, you know, and and, and that was, and it, and it really angered the, uh, uh, really angered the powers that be. I mean, that's what the the, the the whole comics code thing was really a thing to suppress EC comics because at the end there they would hand in these pages that were completely uh, uh, to code specifications. They would just make up new stuff off the top of their heads. So yeah. they were really out to. Uh, the crush EC comics. So, yeah. so do you have anything coming up? You have the dark. Well, I, I've been doing stuff for uh, for for Jewish Currents. It's a, a secular Jewish magazine about Yiddish culture. Oh, really? In uh, in the thirties and forties. So that's that's real interesting history. Hmm. Oh. So uh, I'm, 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 I just finished a strip about Paul Robeson uh, singing uh, Yiddish in Moscow. Uh, oh, really? Is there a collection? Uh, I've done about ten of them. I'd like to, uh, you know, a friend of mine put out a portfolio of the stuff I had done, uh, you know, up to the time he put out the portfolio. But since then, I've done a bunch more. But there's all this really interesting stuff, and I'm working with a great guy, Jill Schechter. He gives me all this great material. And he even, the, the, the last strip I did, he brought me all these photographs of Second Avenue. And when I was working for the East Village Other, we were upstairs of the... Uh, Fillmore East on Second Avenue, so the building has since been torn down. So it was, it was great to have a photo of uh, of the East Village other building. Wow! Well, I think we're almost out of time, actually. Uh, actually, I was going to say one thing. Um, I, yesterday, I saw George Metzger, and uh, he actually told me to say hi to you. Oh, tell him hi. Yeah. Yeah. He, he actually mentioned that he would. He'd always. He still would like to someday work with you. Apparently. Oh, I'd love to work with him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have his book. Uh, I have his book. Few uh, two feet from me. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> we all shop at the same comic store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yes, th- thanks, Spain, and we'll uh, we'll have this online um, as a podcast for people to download probably within the next week. So I'll make sure to send you a link to that. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. This is really great. Well, it's been fun for me too. Yeah. Well, Excellent. Well, I look forward to reading the Dark Hotel and stuff and blab and more great creative political stuff okay thanks Spain bye bye take care that was Spain Rodriguez uh, creator of what we got here Trash Man uh, My True Story she 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 World War 3 World War 3 illustrated got stuff in that he's he's uh, to quote uh, Chris Brayshaw at Pulp Fiction Books it's like Spain he's a living legend (laughs) a comic book's living legend um, thank you very much for coming on the show with us, Spain, as I said before. Hopefully we'll have this online for people to download soon. Um, what's some coming up stuff? We have a comic convention on Sunday. Woo! Woo! Geek Squad! Not so loud. Yeah, I have headphones on still. Don Geek King. Geek Squad! 
I'll be there shopping, hopefully. I may end up having to work in the morning, so... Oh, damn, if I work, I can't go to the comic convention. Show, show up for the, the fun comic book convention nudity. This is a comic book convention. No, you don't want the nudity there. <laughs> Ink Studs, CITR 101.9 FM next week. I'm not quite sure who the guest will be. Um, I was hoping to be Matt Wagner, but he hasn't replied to my email yet. So we'll see. Um... On the 15th, we're going to have Mark Kalisnico, creator of Why Did Pete Duel Kill Himself, Alex, and Mail Order Bride. Carl and I have exchanged Mail Order Bride and Why Did Pete Duel, so we could each make sure we're caught up on his creative endeavors. I'm excited about that one. Linda Medley will be an upcoming interview. Um, who else? A whole bunch of stuff. I just hooked up with Top Shelf, and they have some people that we're going to interview at some point. Maybe James Kolchelka, Renee French. Awesome. Kolchelka. Coachelka. Yeah, I've been reading uh, Super Fuckers. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. New issue comes out next week. Um, check out our blog, inkstuds.livejournal.com, uh, where I am now getting off my ass and actually writing down what comics I'm buying every Wednesday. Uh, we're going to end the show off with The Platters. Some more, what is this, Motown or Doo-Wop? I don't know. Doo-Wop. It's old music. Uh, Inkstud, CHR 101.9 Rhymes and Reasons is up next with some hippity hop. Thanks, guys. It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple-colored curtains mark the end of day I'll hear you, my dear, at twilight time Deepening shadows gather splendor as day is done Fingers of night will soon surrender the setting sun. I count the moments, darling, till you're here with me. Together, at last, at twilight time. Same as sweet old way, I fall in love again as I did then. Deep in the dark, your kiss will fill me like days of old, lighting the spark of love that fills me with dreams untold. Each day I pray for evening just to be with you together. At last, at twilight time, in the afterglow of day, we keep our rendezvous beneath the blue. In the sweet and simple way, I fall in love again. That fills me with dreams untold Each day I pray for evening just to be with you Together 
at last at twilight time together.